your care and your empathy changes a little bit too. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it, and when you move to a place where you really care about this, I have friends, I have gay friends. I have bisexual friends. I have friends who are witches. I have friends who are all these different things. I have all of these diverse people that I love and care about. You become more impacted when you see policy and behaviors being done by your government that infringe upon them or are right. obviously angled to, to to try and make them se- second-class citizens or at least lower than predominant white Christians. There are over 4,000 recognized religions in the world. Which one are you leading? Why are you deconverting? Welcome to the Deconversion Podcast, where we explore the experiences and challenges of deconverting from religious faith. We are here to discuss and explore this topic and help you on your journey to living an authentic life. Three, two, one. Tim, you excited about this political cycle coming up? <laughs> no, I'm not. Are you going to vote <laughs> for Donald Trump again? <laughs> I never voted for him in the first place. <laughs> you heard it here so, first, people. So, yeah, no, not uh, looking forward to it. That's pretty funny. Just side note, I was watching The Daily Show, and they were at a Trump rally, and they were like, what was your favorite Trump rally? And people kept saying January 6th. Jordan fingers the pulse mm-hmm. or whatever. Oh, so bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. The reason I bring up politics, because we're talking about politics today. Yeah, we we wanted to throw down. This was also like a listener question. It was in one of our threads. I ended up with somebody and they were like wanting to talk about why is there this seeming connection between deconversion and an eventual change in people's political view. People who deconvert tend to also change their political views over time. And I thought that was a fun thing for us to wrap on because yeah. I certainly feel like that happened to me. Well, if we put a bow on it, I think that the mm-hmm. title of the episode is does deconversion change your politics? Yeah. And so I think we'll dig into it. Since so you're going to be of... doing the editing on this one. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, we're like filming this. I'm going to be out working tomorrow and I'm going to leave it in your tender hands, Isaac. Yes. I'm a little rusty. <laughs> Listen, for all the listeners out there, I learned everything first and taught my peoples. And now I've forgotten <laughs> everything and it's a mess when I do anything. <laughs> So I made it. I forgot to put titles on. I got the chapters, but yeah, yeah. I I appreciate you, Tim, and all the hard work you've been doing on the podcast. And obviously, been a really long time since I've done any of it. (laughs) Hey, man, I'm just like trying to survive right now. I'm like fighting a little bit of the head cold that's not completely gone away. I'm like doing commuting into San Antonio for my job training right now. I'm doing that all this week. So that's like an hour and 15 minutes either way. And it's just, I'm just burned out. I am listening to this podcast. I'm going to do a, a quick, just while we're early on here. I'm going to throw this side out there tangent. for everybody. Yeah. Side tangent. I'm listening to this in preparation for us to do our episode on the IHOP controversy. And Mike Bickle, I think is his name. But uh, this guy got ousted from the International House of Prayer. But I'm listening to a podcast that's called Heaven Bent. And this girl is a borderline investigative journalist, and she's done stuff on like the Bethel Church and all this, but she basically goes into this controversy about 
IHOP from a little ways back that had to do with this cult spinoff, all kinds of things that happened. There was like a suicide, all kinds of stuff. I'm listening to this as I go back and forth to San Antonio at the behest of my wife who said, this is awesome. And she is absolutely right. This is a fantastic podcast. If you're curious about this stuff, definitely go have a listen. But I'm listening to that and preparing some content for us for when you get back, because I definitely would like to do that one in person with you. Good stuff. That is good stuff. So, Tim, let me ask you this question. Were your politics a reflection of your parents growing up to whatever age, teenage, young adult age? Oh, yeah, I I would say so. My parents were conservatives and Republicans. That was it. There was a lot of derogatory talk about Democrats, but it wasn't, it was usually more playful derogatory talk about Democrats. And it was less like really hostile, like it's become recently. But I remember the Bill Clinton, his affair with Monica Lewinsky and my dad being up in arms about that. But yeah, very much like your religion, uh, my politics were a reflection of what my parents believed. That was it. When... Did that start changing after your deconversion? Yeah, obviously. When I was a teenager and stuff, I was like, I remember a funny side note for you. I remember when Bush won by a hair against Al Gore and the recount was going on. Do you remember all the recount stuff and like the hanging chads, hanging chads and like on the voting cards and stuff? I remember going and protesting with a bunch of Republicans in where we lived at the time. And it was my first protest I had ever been a part of. Ooh. Yeah. If Tim back then could only see the Tim now. Oh, I've been <laughs> or vice versa. But it's anyway, so but yeah, politically, I think I moved a little bit more to middle ground in my adult life, even without my deconversion from religion, especially when I had my first friends who were like Sean and Emily at Blockbuster, who were my first, was a first gay friend, first bisexual friend. Some of my views on the talk around that kind of stuff and the political angles about uh, gay marriage and that kind of stuff, that stuff had already started to change prior to my deconversion. Because I was like, I don't think this is an issue. This doesn't matter. We should, people are free. It's a free country. If people love each other, they should be able to get married. I'd already started to move into that territory, but then I deconverted and stuff really started to change for certain then. Here's something that I remember, and I think we've talked about it before, but one of the one of the things that was frustrating for you during your deconversion, and I think is probably frustrating for a lot of people listening, is that assumptions are made about oh, yeah. you deconverting. And one of those big assumptions is that you're just as, oh, you're deconverting. You're not going to church. You're a liberal hippie. It's just like yeah. straight to that. And I don't ever remember you being that way. And you definitely weren't that way during that time. You're very much more in the middle. And that's where we find ourselves here is you and I, we talk about individual topics and issues. And and I just, one of the things that's hard about this question, at least for me, is that let's define politics. Let's define what it means to be a Democrat or a Republican or an independent. And what do you believe in? And one of the things that we talked about was just one issue voters. I think that's a big thing is that so many of us in politics 
because I'm I can't say I'm highly politically involved. It's just snapshots and opinions here and there. And so my question to you is, and I'm just curious what you think, is that with this kind of I don't want to say like just loosey goosey attitude towards politics that many of us can have. Would you say if you're young and you're growing up in a conservative or if you're growing up in a highly religious household, you don't really get the option to hear anything else other than, no, you, than the conservative side. No, you really don't. Yeah, I think regardless of what side you are, you end up with a lot of stereotypes at the other side. I think, and I find this ironic in my current position, is that they, at least in my household, people who were Democrats or, or of that disposition, it was assumed that they weren't very religious or they were non-believers. Okay. And I find that interesting because as a on the other side of it now, it's I'm shocked at how many Democrats pay lip service to religion. And it's because you can't get anywhere politically without paying lip service to the church. And so I don't think they're all faking it. I think that you can be a you can be a believer and be a Democrat and you could be a non-believer and be a Republican. It's it's not synonymous with each other. You know what I mean? But you get those stereotypes engrammed on you. For me, I was thinking yeah, surely there's more non-believers over here. And really, po- politically speaking, in the Democrat Party, you're going to run into just as many Christians. They're just going to be more traditional. They're going to be like Catholic. And right. it's not going to inform as much on their actions, Not certainly not in the way that right-wing evangelicalism is influencing that party. It's nowhere near the same thing. Yeah. I think this podcast, I think we'll be speaking a lot of generalities and it's because it's hard there's so many little nuances and you can give a disclaimer but just generally speaking culturally especially where we live in texas is that you can make some stereotypes that have a lot of truth to them but obviously not every single person falls into to these categories but going back to what i was saying i think when you're hyper religious and you oftentimes are a one-issue voter of it's I'm a Republican because of abortion. It stops right there. And it's, yeah. and that's the dividing line. And that was a strategic move. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, the, the whole move there is like, they got wise to, you know, this was in the happy, the shiny, happy people documentary and talking about how they got some of these big Christian leaders that were still doing the argument about segregation as that was coming to an end, realized oh, yeah. that was a losing issue. So instead, because it's about racism at that point, so they shifted gears and they made the issue abortion, and then they found a way to lock in Christians on one issue. And that was a big realization for me. When I fully started to grasp this concept of why being a single-issue voter is a problem, that's when I realized that that religion was weaponizing that to try and lock people in to create political power. So I obviously end up as an adversary to that. And I don't think that initially makes me a Democrat. That just makes not not that over there. Because I'm like, when I realized that my mom, who I feel like is one thing morally to me in my life and how I've watched her behave, and then vote for something that to me stands tantamount in opposition to her moral code that she taught me and the only reason she's doing that out of her mouth is isn't the abortion issue that something has severely gone wrong and i think when you deconvert 
it gives you permission to get outside of that one issue. Yes. And consider not. Now, I'm not saying that's going to make you a full-blown Democrat or Republican mm-hmm. or that's going to change your political view. But I think many people politics do change because it's kind of shackles of you have to vote this way fall off. Absolutely. And, and you get to think more about evolution and science and medicine. And it just isn't black and white. It's not just a soul is being murdered. Right. Yeah. And so I think that can make some changes. I, I think your I think your your care and your empathy changes a little bit too. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it, and when you move to a place where you really care about this, I have friends, I have gay friends, I have bisexual friends, I have friends who are witches, I have friends who are all these different things, and that are handsome. restaurateurs handsome man in texas i have all of these diverse people that i love and care about you become more impacted when you see policy and behaviors being done by your government that infringe upon them or are obviously angled to 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 try and make them second class citizens or at least lower than predominant white christians and when you see that kind of stuff going on, it becomes difficult to stay in that in a camp, regardless of whatever other thing you might agree with them on a niche issue. It, right. it becomes bigger. And so I think my the change of my empathy really had something to do with it as well. Isn't it ironic that Christians promote this all-accepting all loving type of culture. And then with Christian nationalism, counteract (laughs) that and are very limiting to the all accepting, all loving Mm -hmm. type of mentality and and human rights. I always thought that was fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's very much true. I I agree with you because one of the catchphrases like uh, love the sinner, hate the sin or hate the sin, love the sinner, whatever it is, but Mm -hmm. it's religion gives you, permission to judge people to mm. create an us versus them and we've talked about that a hundred times but it just reinforces that so when you're not a part of that and you get to step away from it i think you do care more about society as a whole yeah and you uh, that you also realize how much at least for me i was re- i began to realize how much effort is being done on the part of Christians, one thing you got to pat them on the back for is they are fantastic political organizers. They know how yeah. to get their shit and get people to the polls and get and do this. And, and that in of itself is it makes them it creates political power. I was chuckling the other day at, about I was around everybody for Thanksgiving and all that fun stuff. And uh, the looming element of Donald Trump and another run for the presidency from the sky, despite all of his charges behavior actions etc there's still the fact that we're probably going to watch him run again and i had somebody basically was like can you give him any kind of compliment and i was like oh hell yeah i can compliment the hell out of freaking donald trump because he did one thing beautifully from my perspective and that is he put an absolute spotlight on christian hypocrisy and there's no escaping the spotlight of it now. 
because yeah. it, that and he did that so well. He's done more for the causes that you and I care about than you and I ever could with a podcast. And Trump we know we know why, that from, why our podcast is doing so. Well. Yeah, yeah, I know. Dude, well, our and, numbers and, are going to spike. Almost everyone that we've talked to since we've been doing this, when we ask them, "Hey, what was the deal? What was it?" It was Trump or COVID, and the Christian reaction to that stuff. And so it just threw everybody for a loop. And so in that respect, I have to pay the guy a grand compliment, even though yeah. I despise him otherwise. And that's the world we live in where I, I've, it's just nuts to think that this is what we're navigating. And I don't want to make the assumption that if you deconvert, then that means that you are you're opting for a different political party. I think sure. what happens is that Christian nationalism is so tightly intertwined with the Republican Party that what happens is that when you unravel Christianity, you're also somewhat unraveling that political party, and it puts mm-hmm. the spotlight on some of their weaknesses. Not saying that there aren't plenty of weaknesses on the Democratic side politically. It's mm-hmm. just that now you're processing it. Now you're evaluating it, and you're, you're looking at this religion thing was a joke, and I'm not bought into this anymore. What else am I not bought into? And I yeah. think just by that, in default, will make you be slightly more critical of the Republican mm-hmm. Party. Absolutely. One of the other things, are you still with me? You there? Did I lose you? <laughs> I listen to both. We're about 37 minutes right now. And, okay. and then I just made a comment that when you start unraveling religion, you can't help but unravel the Republican Party because they're so intertwined with each other. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're a hardcore Democrat, but it does mean you're critical. And then you're about to go into the middle issues. We don't have a middle ground. Okay. So picking up here, Francie. Yeah. And the other problem that we're really having to deal with right now is that we are not being left any middle ground by either party particularly with the right-wing party, but both can leave this in a us versus them kind of situation. Whereas I don't want to play by those rules of us versus them, but the parties have left us in a situation where the extremes are becoming so, so extreme that you feel like you have to take a side. You have to take a stand against one or the other, and both sides are being made to feel that way. And I think that the issues that our world faces does don't benefit from us being put in that type of situation. And while I don't know the details and I, I haven't been following them, following him as, as much as I'd like to, that's why Andrew Yang and the Ford party is really appealing to me. I need to study up mm-hmm. a little bit more about what they're doing, but they have bipartisan supporters who are basically saying, hey, we're not going to be one-party voters. They're refusing to mm-hmm. play this all-or-nothing game. So yeah. it's pretty interesting. I think when thinking about that question of does deconversion mm-hmm. change your politics, I think so much of it is pigeonholed by the political system that we're set up in. It, mm-hmm. In a different political system, the answer may be, be more yes or no. And I think that we're just noticing trends, but I think that's something to really consider is that our political party currently in the United States is 
like you just said, it put us in a place where we feel like we have to pick a side. And one of those sides is highly associated with Christianity. Have you ever noticed that in the regard to this kind of stuff, when you interact with some people, I've noticed that they always tend to define themselves by what they are not. I'm not into that transgender stuff, or I'm not in to 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 that to socialism and that everybody defines themselves by what they're not. And I'm like, what are you? What are your morals? What do you care about? What are you doing to further those types of things? What are you is the more pertinent question. But people today tend to define themselves by what they're not. And that is not exclusive to the right wing. That's that everybody can be guilty of that. Yeah. But it's you need to think about what you care about and what you're wanting to promote and then try to follow down lines that that help you do that. And I'm not particularly politically active. You're not politically active that I'm aware of, unless you have a secret campaign that you're planning to start. <laughs> no. Hashtag grow up. Time to grow up. Time to grow up. Time to grow up. I'm going to talk to Andrew Seidel about this. No, I'm not politically active yet. One of the things I was thinking about is that anyone who goes through the deconversion process even if you just go through the process of it and you decide, ah, I'm going to stay being a Christian, that that exercise of deconverting flexes that critical thought muscle. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you learn how to apply critical thought towards your faith and your religious beliefs, that you start to apply that critical thought towards your political beliefs. And mm-hmm. I think that regardless of where you're at left, I think on issues I think that your new habit or your stronger habit of critical thought will ultimately cause you to change your mind. And I think that will happen in in multiple areas of life. I know that through us doing this podcast and stressing the importance of critical thought that I've changed some of my opinions just about the restaurant industry because I've just decided to look at it more critically. And I think that's something that's relatively inevitable. Yeah, I I think so. Thinking back on it, like when I deconverted, it it takes you out of the echo chamber too. You you end up breaking free of. I really particularly feel like with the issue of like abortion. When I did my own research on that, was like, I think I need to rethink this issue. From what's the science behind this? What are we really talking about when we're talking about women's health? And you start taking a pragmatic view when you get outside of your bubble, and then your opinion changes it. And then you're no longer hamstringed by one thing you felt really strongly about. You can start thinking about all these other issues and how much of a broader thing it is. You know, so that combined with like how we treat other countries, our geopolitical situation, views on science, all of those things all raveled. I definitely decided I couldn't stay in the court of Republicans and what they're progressing. It doesn't mean that other ridiculous things can't be proposed by the left. That does happen too, but it's it's middle ground. And sadly, right. very few people occupy middle ground. Right. And well, and it's hard to be politically active in the middle ground. It's yeah. We as people, American people, we don't get to vote on like individual bills. We don't get to vote on uh-huh. certain things that are trying to get passed. We're voting for our candidates and our candidates fall traditionally in two parties. 
I saw a great analogy. I'm sorry. This is one I think you're really going to that it, it was Stephen Fry a long ways back that gave this analogy is we have this collective gulf like with between the left and the right. And the truth is the truth. I said a second ago, it's hard finding people in the middle ground. It, that's really not true. I think the majority of us are in the middle ground. And one thing he pointed out is he goes, most of us are in here in the middle trying to make some rational thought out of this, whether you lean right or lean left, but we're collectively shouted down by the lunatics on the extreme side of both. And we're becoming so disgusted by that or having to associate with either of those sides that we're all starting to walk away. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's really true. I think uh, those of us who feel this way have a responsibility to step up and be a little bit louder to take control and correct the side you affiliate with because we're facing a different problem. And I realized this before we started the podcast, I was describing to you this situation. You should go Google it on YouTube of this encounter. It was a Republican representative. They were having some form of, I don't know the specifics of the meeting, but there was a guy testifying before Congress. And this Republican representative basically threatened to say, let's take this outside. He was taking his rings off. And was like threatening to have a physical altercation with this guy. And Bernie Sanders like pipes up like, no, we're not doing this and makes them both. And it's just absurd. But I think to the point of what I just said, so many of us in the middle are wanting to just walk away with it because this is not how we do things. This is not how rational people should be interacting or dealing with social issues. I know it's hard. I know people have strong opinions, but there's the, the civility is going out of it. And right. when those of us like us, what do, if you and I are in that type of situation, what do you, you and I typically do? We walk away. Yeah, I don't want any part of that shit. I don't get into fights. I don't want to deal with it. But the problem with our political system is if that if we collectively walk away from that, look who we're leaving in power. We're right. leaving the lunatics on both sides to their shouting and derogatory matches. And I hate to break it to everybody, but if you go and study some history, that's how republics fall apart. That's how fascist governments come about. That's how ex- extreme governments of all types come about. And we have a responsibility to pull these, pull the reins in on these people. That's why I've been shocked that Republicans haven't been more outspoken about reeling in the extreme side of their party because it's become so ridiculous as to be just it beggars belief that you guys are willing to still tolerate this sort of shit instead of don't vote for these people you did one cycle where you didn't vote for them and you were like if republic registered republicans said no and just said that we're not voting for crazy again we're not voting for somebody right. that's indicted on criminal charges and that said all the shit. We're just not going to do it. And they like tip their hat the other way, either didn't vote. I'm not encouraging them to go vote for someone that they they don't feel convicted about. Don't go vote for a Democrat, but don't vote for that guy. If they yeah. did that just once, all of these lunatics would be out and they would have some more reasonable options. Yeah, hopefully. Well, a, great, a great book about is principles for dealing with a changing world order by Ray uh-huh. Dalio talks about looking in history at empires that have rose and, and fallen and that mm-hmm. they all fall into similar patterns. And the United mm-hmm. States is very much in that pattern. And yeah. the here's the hard truth. The hard truth is that I believe um, 
something that I believe, and I think that could be a hard truth, is that it is the Christian vote that it is the Christian vote that creates this behavior. It's it's that's what the Republicans are worried about. Mm-hmm. If we go against Trump, are we going to get the Christian vote? In some instances, yeah. That's like unfathomable to me because I felt like Christians should be leading the charge against that type of a guy. That's at least what I thought just simply because of his person, his personality and his morality. That's for one thing. This is where I said before he, he uncovered the, the Christians for what they are. They're the, they really are power hungry. The ends justifies the means. Yeah. They're only good in their own eyes. Right. Like It's like you guys are like not what you're purporting. And then it's hard because then if you took like an individual issue, let's say we were just talking about school funding in a very specific district. If on that singular issue, we felt like the the Republican representative for that little county had a mm-hmm. better idea, it's hard to vote for that person because – it comes with so much more. And that's what happens is that, like you said, we get away from the middle. We just want to walk away from it. Mm-hmm. Or we just say, who are you voting for? Not Trump. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. who are you voting for? Trump. And it's, and that's hard. I really respect the people with the bumper stickers that say, I'm a Republican, but I'm not crazy. Uh, yeah. Biden 2020 or whatever it was. Yeah, that was hilarious. I love that. Th- there were people with those signs in my neighborhood, and I was like, wow, that's encouraging. But back to our subject of like deconverting, affecting your political beliefs, I definitely feel like it did mine a positive thing because it basically it didn't throw me into the lap of liberalism and a hard left wing Democrat. It just made me a pragmatic human being. And I feel like I, I definitely get stereotyped. You leave. Yeah. No, communist, man. Communist. Oh. Oh, <laughs> so like with my dad, he said that to me at a dinner get together one time. I told you that when you became an atheist, you become a liberal. And I was like, right. it's uh, from his perspective, it's self-fulfilling prophecy. From my perspective, it's pragmatism and i don't consider myself a a hardcore left-wing democrat i would consider myself more of a moderate and the the other thing is that so much of and i didn't realize this until we did a, a different podcast we did a little research i didn't realize how much religion played into the role with against communism and the red mm-hmm. scare oh. and reagan and all that fun stuff yeah. it was we're a democrat we're a democracy and therefore we're, we're we believe in god we're a democracy if you're a communist you are atheist you're yeah. they and it you're, was the athe- there's a ton of that left over in, in like the older generation before me from the red scare which was we're under god we're the free we're the the west and we're free and then communism was an atheistic form of belief at least that's what it was propagated as so they were the godless communists mm. and so there was that adversarial mindset that kind of went through that whole vein and we deal with the leftovers of it because it was propaganda it was us versus them mentality and now 
everything is more complicated. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And it's thinking about the listener who asked this question, I I feel bad because I feel like, oh, we'd love to get into more of the nitty gritty and maybe have a more articulate answer. And I think the reality is that any beliefs, political or not, I think any beliefs change when you deconvert or at least yes. they're reevaluated. And then yes. I think because of the political landscape we are currently in, that it, I, for most people, it does push you away from the Republican Party. Yeah. And the fact that it's happening to you, whereas you can feel, I felt like it was very subtle, like little things changed over a, a long period of time. But since everyone else had a magnifying glass on what was going on with me, it was like everybody made it like it was some dramatic change. Yeah. I don't feel like it was that dramatic of a change. There were there are some subtle ones, but I'm at this place where I literally am shocked. And we've discussed it on the podcast at absurdum that the people who raised me and the communities that I was a part of, everything that I grew up around and that was purported to me through my youth and my belief in my Christianity have fallen in with the people they've fallen in with now. Because that, to me, that's what I would like to put a magnifying glass on, is that how did my father, who was a person who was up in arms and absolutely incensed over a president who had an affair with an intern, not have a problem with Donald Trump and his paying off a porn star in his relationship. And that's just the tip of the iceberg with Trump. But well, how did that change happen? That's easy. One, uh, <laughs> God changed Donald Trump. So that's start there. Oh, yeah. He's God's yeah, chosen. Yeah. Come yeah, on. yeah. No, he just he accepted the Lord as oh, God savior. works through flawed people. Give me a fucking break. Yeah. Yeah, and it's signs of the end time. And during these end times, we need a strong leader. I sh I shake my head in disgust. You should be... I will say this publicly on my podcast. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourselves. Oh, that's pretty funny. I wonder what our <laughs> political view on this podcast is. See, I had... I, we this said is like, we weren't going to be political at the beginning. Remember that? The whole, this is my subtle way of being political is like having a podcast where I talk to people because I feel like the issues we're talking about and people dealing with religion and ending up leaving it and deconverting, I know it affects politics. In the long run, it does. And so I don't really want to go fight the nitty gritty political battles that need to be fought, but I will fight on this front and help people in these veins because I feel like it moves the dial in the direction I would like it to go. It certainly makes me feel better. But another thing is too, is we, there's the reality of it. We would love to see a different political system, but the reality is it's not there. And I think that the more people think for themselves and the more that people have courage to be authentic and the more that people have a voice and especially marginalized groups or women or people who are suppressed by religion mm -hmm. if more people can have a voice and we can have more of a democracy then we move in the right direction and the hard reality is that religion uh doesn't promote that it just doesn't yeah it doesn't i will say this as we get to wrapping up this podcast is that i am stressed 
about the political cycle that we're going to go into. We got Christmas, we got the holidays, and next year we're about to get into it again. And I don't like what I'm seeing. And I had a particularly hard time the last time we went through the political cycle when Biden was getting elected and all this stuff, because it all gets the the flames get fanned, if you will. And so I offer out a helping hand and encouragement to anybody that's listening to this and is worried about it like I am. I will be counseling and talking with all of you (laughs) on Zoom calls to help myself cope with all of this. But I just... You got your big teddy bear in town now. Last political cycle, I wasn't in town. I couldn't just come over, give you a quick hug, a little kiss on the cheek, let you know everything's going to be okay. (laughs) I'll tell you that when your veins popping out of your skull over this one, <laughs> we'll support yeah. each other. We're going to try to act each like other. a cool kid, but I, it, it gets to me too. It's I, unbelievable. I, I, do you think this is foolish? There's a part of me. We've talked about me just biting the bullet and starting my own restaurant. There's this little mm-hmm. part of me that doesn't want to start a restaurant during the political campaign. I don't know, man. It, it can affect I don't so much. Especially in this town, I don't know. I've had some interesting experience experiences just over the last two two months going back into working with the public, and I'm very thankful for the most part of that. It's all been very positive, but you see a whole lot more. And I'm in a very with the job I'm doing. I'm having to maintain my professionalism regardless of any of this. I'm not getting into this kind of debate. This is what we all have to do when we're going and working jobs like this. You got to compartmentalize and deal with that kind of stuff. But this town we live in, freaking crazy. There's crazy <laughs> all over the place, man. And some of it's adorable yeah. and some of it's not. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but but I just think as we go into this, being supportive with one another and having a place to talk about it and not feel like you're alone, because I particularly have had a hard time with this watching watching my family go down some of these roads, I feel a little bit more sane about it now because some of them have jumped shipped with the Donald Trump politics. And then that's created other rifts in our family. And it's just, there's always something. And I'm just like, I'm shocked that this is the issue. I'm just, I really am shocked that this is the one that we're disagreeing on because to me, despite all of my differences philosophically and religiously with my family, I can't believe that this was one that we were having a conflict over. And I imagine I'm not alone with that, in that feeling. And I would like to romanticize and think that even if I had remained a believer, if I had stayed a Christian, I would have had a problem with what's going on right now. And there are a lot of people who are and there Christians are, yeah. That that are having issues with it. And I, I do yeah, think and I will lock arms with them, by the way. I would I'll be the first oh, yeah. to lock arms with this on this. Good. Well, Lord. yeah, let's let, let's I'm let's with skip. you. Let's navigate this and then man, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be so nice to just have two candidates and we're just sitting here and we're just saying, I like their opinion, I, I like their perspective on this. I like that guy's perspective on this. I would just mm-hmm. I man, I would just love it if our political system was in a place to where we were having to really think about and articulate and, and process could which be, candidate we, we liked more. Or, or you could actually be respectful of the other candidate, have some general respect for the other candidate. I've not had that since McCain. 
McCain was a was uh -oh. a respectable human being. Okay. The way okay. The way the way McCain handled Obama Heck beating him. Oh. And hecklers about Obama and stuff. What a so freaking stand-up guy. Yeah. McCain and, was and, awesome. and his daughter's still leading the charge on some of that too. If you ever listen to her stuff, she's she yeah. is not like where her party's gone. And I feel for her. But it's I do I disagree with you politically? Yes. But as a human being, you're a decent human being. I understand. Well, and it's, I want you're breaking up. Stand by. Wait, I no. can still hear you. You're coming back. No. You're coming back. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? <laughs> You're losing your mind. That's what's Hold happening. On. Hold on. I feel like we're on a ship and it's trying to shake us off. <laughs> Stop it, Internet. Are you still there? And we never heard from Isaac ever again. <laughs> uh Hello, everyone. This is Isaac. I'm just kidding. So we unfortunately had some technical difficulties and we weren't able to get reconnected. So this is just our quick outro. I really appreciate everyone listening to this episode and hanging out with us. The last point that Tim and I wanted to address in this episode was that there is a real need for there to be separation between church and state, and that ultimately, at the end of the day, deconversion, not deconverted, Christian, not Christian, that government is not a place for religion. And we had a great episode with Andrew Seidel about this topic, and I'm going to end this with just a little clip of that podcast. If this episode was interesting to you and you enjoyed the politics side of it, then I highly encourage you to listen to our episode with Andrew, and I'll have that in the link below for y'all. As always, we appreciate you. We hope you're doing extremely well. We hope that you are enjoying the holiday season. And yeah, that's all we got for you. All right. Until next time, enjoy this clip from our Andrew Seidel podcast. And you're, you're absolutely right that, this, that one of the reasons the founders chose to separate church and state was to guarantee religious freedom for everybody. You right. cannot have religious freedom to believe in every God in every holy book or one particular holy uh, God from one holy book or no gods. You can't have any of that freedom if the government can tell you this is how you should pray. Yeah. Or even if the government can suggest to you that you pray in this way or pray on this day, that still violates your religious freedom. It's a truly secular government is the only protection that we have for religious freedom. The way I like to say it is there is no freedom of religion without a government that is free from religion. Yeah. You, just, you cannot have that fundamental right without having the secular government as a prerequisite. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Deconversion Podcast. We're so happy you joined us. Please like, share, and subscribe, and we'll see you on the next episode.